You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Well, it's looking a lot better over in the US. We didn't start the new week uh, in, uh, well, in the right shape, shall we say, down 0.28%, ended the day just under 200 points down at uh, just over 60,000 points at a headline level on the top 40 and 66,054 on the uh, all share. And spare a thought for Ethan Allen Interiors. It's a, a small $700 million market cap business that designs, manufactures and distributes a range of home furnishings and accessories. And the CEO took to Twitter to explain to investors that his tech ETH US had nothing to do with Ethereum in the latest uh, cryptocurrency route. Uh, Makwe Masilela, CIO of Makwe Fund Managers, and MTR Suleiman, Executive Director and Portfolio Manager at Sentio Capital, have your market view. Makwe, avocados have been a better store of value than Bitcoin during this route. Sum it up for me. Yeah, you know, Bitcoin stumbled again after a powerful super regulator chaired by the Chinese Vice Premier pledged to crack down on Bitcoin mining and trading. And that's a renewed pressure that we're seeing after last week's sell-off. So basically, China extended its iron fist. And this kind of volatility, Michael, in the crypto sector isn't new, but the digital coins become more mainstream than it means that their swings are attracting more scrutiny coming from the investors and corporate America. And we know people have been very skeptical about this. Only now lately when we've got people getting involved that it can be accepted by the mainstream guys, but now uh, the financial institutions also looking into it. So any slight movement out of that or any negative news coming out of that, we see this whole thing continue to swing like nobody's business. And it's very, very volatile. Now, MTO, to bring you in on that point, we see Coinbase currently up, uh, a miners riot, uh, blockchain and marathon digital holdings also up around 3 and 4% uh, in, in the US at the moment. So it does seem to be semblance of uh, normality, some calm being restored to uh, proceedings. And we saw in markets today uh, from Asia through into Europe, uh, most markets ending in the green. We bucked the trend though. Uh, what was behind uh, opening uh, the the new week almost uh, a quarter of a percent weaker on the JSE. Thanks, Michael. I think um, you know when resources are on the back foot, as we saw today after the Chinese came out saying that they are going to clamp down on any speculation in the commodity segment, it will it was going to be very hard for our market to sort of buck the trend and end up, given the resource weighting of our market. So generally. The miners were down. Um, Cecil was the one that did stand out, and that's on the back of a higher oil price. And on the other side of the coin, you had the domestics, which also came under pressure. So banks and retailers down slightly. Yeah, on the losers today, uh, leading the way, Northam, uh, one of the uh, the larger PGM plays, down 5%. Uh, Investec, uh, down 4.2%. Um, and a few other implants uh, and uh, and Life Healthcare, down 2.5% as well, on the back of what we saw out of Netcare, which was also marked down on the day. But I want to start with uh, Telcom. And it was one of the standout movers on the upside today, up 4.3%. 
ahead. I've got Sipor Maseko coming up a, a little bit later on. Markwe, what did you make of uh, the telecom numbers? Over 15 million uh, mobile broad, uh, mobile subscribers. And it is still, I mean, it's a legacy fixed line business, but it is, it really is still about uh, what's happening in the mobile space. What worries me is the level of discounting. I mean, the price uh, mm-hmm. discounting that's going on out there must be impacting margins for uh, not only telecom, but for Vodacom and MTN too. Definitely. And you're right, you know, I mean, I mean that increase when it comes to mobile customers, you're talking almost 27.8. And it's not surprising now to see their mobile data revenue up 41%. And also what was interesting, their average revenue per user at 104. And remember, these guys anyway, they've been classified as essential services. Hence, they could continue to operate. And as you mentioned about their legacy business, I think for the past four or five years, Telcom has managed to evolve, you know, into next generation business and now it accounts nicely for 65 percent of the group revenue as they said the regulatory environment remains challenging and uncertain and CPO will explain that to us with the auctioning of spectrum being delayed and you look at the revenue growth of 0.4 percent that was driven mainly by their mobile business but which helped to offset the fixed voice revenue and you look at BCX suffered revenue decline as the national lockdown and the work from home response impacted on the fixed uh, voice revenue. And also when it comes to IT, we've seen that it's been under pressure as corporate deferred capital expenditure. Also of note, remember the guys also benefited from a reduced effective tax rate. I mean, from 37.6% to 35.5% in the current year. And also that impact that they had on their voluntary severance packages, that worked for them as well. The one concerning line item MT has to bring you in is free cash flow. And uh, looking at it, it looks like they delayed creditors at year end by just over 3 billion rand uh, and that means free cash flow is actually negative uh, meanwhile in the results you've got uh, Sipo Maseko saying that uh, free cash flow has turned a corner yeah um, it's always tricky when you do have a cutoff date at year end I think the real test will be when they report the results again towards the end of the year. They did mention that they are looking at resuming the dividend, which is a positive. You know, Telcom has suspended the dividend for the last three years. They're more comfortable that um, the new products and data offering are bearing some fruit, and the cash generation is getting better. So if you look at the overall CapEx profile, um, they're still spending between 8 and 8.5 billion rand, and that's to invest in the network, largely in, in, in towers and fiber. So I guess you know we'll have to see if that working capital does normalize to some extent um, when they do report again. Yeah, and uh, we'll be chatting to Sipo Maseko about that and his hints at uh, the the 5G rollout, uh, which is going to be uh, another big capex uh, item as well, uh, as we see 5G. Uh, as soon as we flick that digital switch, becoming the next theatre contestation for our uh, telco uh, companies. Netcare's results, uh, Markwe, if you look at it, uh, it I mean it's full of base effects. Yes, the reporting periods were in the first and, and second wave, 
but still that that bounce uh, in in earnings uh, had a big uh, or shall I say was hugely impacted by um, what the hospital managed to do in terms of managing the second wave better it looks like it's uh, managed to halve its average bed days and I think that's only natural as we became more au with the virus how to treat it when to intubate what kind of uh, therapies to use and that came through in the results today Definitely, and I think not just with Netcare, you can see that most companies now lately, they've got the new normal, they've managed to adjust how to operate, you know, in this environment, whether by managing their costs better, whether by reducing costs, making savings here and there, but yes, as it was expected, remember, this comparative six-month period that ended uh, the uh, March 2020 was largely free of COVID-19 impact, if you compare it with this one, because that other one was only impacted, I think, the last two weeks of March of 2020, but other than that, it was free from that. Revenue was expected to be down, and not too bad, at 5.9%. Also of interest for me was the net debt being reduced by almost 2.6%, and that's going to help them going forward, yes, also expected not for them to declare any dividends. People can remove that for now. But we know that their operational and financial performance was impacted by the emergence of a more contagious nationwide COVID-19 variant, which resulted in the second wave of infections. Uh, MTS, that's pretty comprehensive from Makwe. Anything else that stood out for you in the net care results? Um, you know, I guess for me, it just uh, sort of revolves around you know, the potential impact of the third wave, where they are very exposed to, um, you know, the consequences of that. There was a lot of elective surgeries that was withheld during the period. We are seeing some normalization on the elective side, and the big risk is the vaccine rollout. South Africa has been quite slow in terms of the vaccine rollout, and if we do get sort of uh, new variants and a mutation of the virus, it could impact um, Medicare quite negatively. So I think the market's a bit cautious, but overall, um, you know, they, they are on a recovery path, and they, they, they should also be on the path to paying dividends again as well. And uh, if you look at what Discovery and other researchers have been saying about the levels um, of uh, prior infection, it does all point to hopefully a far more muted uh, third wave, uh, any variants or, or, or mutants aside. Uh, and then, Mark, Richmond uh, had a seriously strong print on Friday. We didn't have time to get to it. Uh, it still looks very, very well priced. It looks expensive. Uh, what do you make of Rich- Richmond at these levels? You are right, it's price for perfection, so there's no margin for error, and we hope that they will be, uh, what do you call it, the vaccine rollout globally will work for them so that they can continue to make those good sales from the U.S., China as well. And But if you look what the uh, New York have said as well, that people who, who had the vaccination or who've been fully vaccinated can go out without marks, it gives you some bit of hope. If you look at the, the some patches of growth, you know, not just back home here only, but also in Europe and also in the U.S. So yes, there's still some story maybe for them. And remember that deal that they've just made with Alibaba that to do online, it still has to fully kick in. So that's also positive for them going forward. 
Uh, MTAs looking at uh, Richmond, there was a, an interesting comment from the CEO of L'Oreal not too long ago talking about what he expects over the medium term. And he likens it to what we saw in the 1920s, the Roaring Twenties. We had the Spanish flu, we had the end of the First World War, and a couple of years into that uh, early part of, of the 1920s, we saw a real gilded age. Uh, people went out, there was flappers and jazz and great Gatsby, and it was a hedonistic era. He reckons we might see something similar. It plays into a luxury goods maker if you can afford it. Yeah, I guess, you know, it, it also reminds me what Starbucks said recently, and they're calling it the great reconnection, whereby people are so frustrated from being locked up and locked down at home, they're going to go out and spend. But if you look at Richmond, you know, they are benefiting from uh, the developed market, which has emerged from the virus in a much better state, um, and especially out of China, China the Chinese Traveling was a huge source of revenue for Richmond in Europe, and that's been a shifted home so towards um, domestic consumption. Uh, and they are benefiting from jewelry, which is a very fragmented market, which they have very good brands with the likes of Cartier and Van Cleef. Um, so I guess they're in a good space as the economy rebounds. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, I mean, you've got to take a walk through Sandton City over the weekend to ask yourself, what pandemic, what economic crisis with queues around the corner for Louis Vuitton and other luxury brands? Yeah. I'd love to know where some of that wealth is yeah. coming from. Hmm. Uh, Mark, well, I guess. Mm, yeah, MTS, do you want to weigh in? Just, just one comment. Yeah, I guess you know, it, it's also the allocation of, of consumer spend. So you know, mm. consumers are not traveling, they're not flying, and you, you're diverting that spend towards uh, more domestic consumption and a bit of luxury. Yeah, and uh, those domestic uh, consumer-facing companies are the beneficiaries. Uh, Makwe, just lastly, to bring you in on Discam, interesting note from Investec this, mo- this morning. It's upgraded from sell to hold. There's base effects. There were some acquisitions. It's uh, going to get a nice bump from the vaccine rollout as well. And if you look at the upgrade, uh, upgrade of earnings by 18% on average for FY22 and 23. That That's a pretty chunky upgrade. Uh, would you go along with that? Mm, not really. I think I'll still stick with Click. Look at their PE at 35 compared that to Click of 31. Forward PE of 27, Click of 29. A dividend yield of 1.1% compared to that one of Click of 2.3%. And also of concern is their return on equity. It's at 23% compared to that one of Click at 41%. I think uh, it's a no-brainer. When it comes to Discam and Clicks, Clicks still uh, the standout uh, for most in this market, and most foreigners as well. I think uh, the biggest foreign interest in Clicks. Makwe Masilela, CIO of Makwe Fund Managers, and MTR Suleiman of Sentio Capital with your view from the market.